One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What's going on, Rush Nation? Murph here, uh, second show of the week. Promised uh, a deep dive with the two most active teams of the last weekend or so, the Texans and the, and the Dolphins, because, well, who knows what's actually going on anymore with football. Players moving left, right and centre, players holding out and getting paid. Jared Goff being paid the you know the largest contract in football. Uh, just the world's gone mad. So uh, who better than to unpack some of this chaos than than Lee, uh, our resident Dolphins fan? Lee, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I think my head's just stopped spinning from the weekend. <laughs> you done well to have it stop spinning. I'm still, uh, still trying to learn the roster at this stage. <laughs> so am I. I started writing some of the names of the trades, and I was like. Yeah, never heard of them, never heard of them. So uh, let's see how good Pro Football Reference is as a guy that normally is pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> it's the team since Saturday. They give you something to get your head around. Absolutely. I've even put links in because I was just like, we can need some links to this. <laughs> but we'll get onto that in just a second. Uh, no no stocks this week. Stocks is uh, sunning it up in centre parks. He's picked a good week to go. Bit an R&R. Uh, kid works not stop. So uh, Stocks, know you're listening. Hope you're not doing too much uh, fantasy football stuff and you're getting away and having a rest. You picked a terrible time to cope out with week one, but, you know, <laughs> lessons learned for next year, hey. But, if, you know, can't begrudge the, the guy rest. He's just covered me for, for three weeks. So, 
so yeah you know typically week one is is 28 hours or so away as we begin to record this it's it's you know been something we've been aiming towards for a long time it's finally here and and just as you're getting ready you you end up with a whole new roster so let's start for uh all the uh all the fans out there fantasy football and and the nfl to start to unpack some of these trades and get your takes on on some of the moves and perhaps try and uh help us all out here lee with with what's going to happen <laughs> in miami this season as much as possible and then we can try and give some fantasy advice on that how does that sound that sounds good awesome so uh weekend started with uh first trade i actually when i was going through researching this episode i actually missed this one i just didn't even know this trade had happened <laughs> <laughs> i got the other three and i was like getting through i was like oh what how did i miss this so um and i'm sure most of our listeners would have done as well so uh, the dolphins actually started a trade on on saturday where they traded um they traded for a, an offensive lineman danny isadora uh for a seventh round draft pick and so uh, with the Vikings, so just sending a seventh up for a starting offensive guard. So, uh, well, I mean, did you hear about this trade at the time? You you always are close to the ground on Dolphin stuff than me. And, and, and what was sort of general feedback from the uh, fans of the fish tank? Yeah, to be honest, I, I saw it when it came when it came through. I'll be honest, my anyone who gets a chance to see my Twitter feed, it's just full of Dolphin stuff. So I saw it when it went down, and I've got to be honest, at the time, I was pretty pleased. Okay, he's not really given up much in the seventh round pick. You've got a guard back. I mean, based on what we've seen in the preseason, the O-line looked bad. So they tried to address that. As far as I'm concerned, that's good. You don't, you don't, you know, they didn't wait for, for Danny Isadora to get cut at the weekend and then have to fight other teams for him. You give up a seventh round pick and take chances so as far as i can say that you know it was pretty good you saw a problem you tried to fix it whether you know whether it works out or not a whole nother matter but at least you've you know addressed the problem straight away i, I like that approach yeah and, and the seventh round pick is is nothing you're just sort of taking a throw it's you know uh it's a sort of position sort of draft pick next year with knowing what you've got in your roster now you you might think about a, a kicker a holder a, a you might think about getting a, a sort of a last ditch tight end or exactly it's the sort of player you're just taking a chance with yeah exactly so someone who uh is on a roster um whether he would have got cut or not and probably likely he might have got cut i mean he only did play he made three starts for for the vikings but it's it's interesting he actually knows uh miami quite well doesn't he Lee? yeah he was actually uh went to college in miami so played for the u yeah so you know, it's like he's coming home. He, he he wasn't one that needed a lot of convincing to come back. And again, the seventh round draft pick is nothing. It's it's as you say, you're you're addressing a need, and uh, nothing nothing wrong with doing that. And the amount of picks you got next year, what's the seventh round pick? It's not going to harm you. Yeah, and I mean, at at the time, I mean, so when did this go down? This was Friday night, I believe. Okay. So at this stage, you think you've got your left tackle in Larry Tunzel. The rest of the line looks a bit of a shambles. So you think, okay, well, maybe you've secured one more position on the line and made it serviceable. So at this stage, feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, and then it started to get a, a little bit better as well um, from them when you picked up uh, Evan uh, Bohem uh, from the Colts in a, in a trade. It was basically 
it was interesting. It was a conditional draft pick. They haven't been fully disclosed. So we say conditional draft pick for a conditional draft pick. It's probably a late six for an early seventh or something like that. You're talking about probably five or ten swaps, uh, five or ten picks aside. It's going to be in between. It's not going to be a lot. So giving up a player who was a, a former fourth round draft pick of the Cardinals and uh, has played uh, more games uh, than Isadora. So, uh, yeah, what, what did you think of this? Again, I was at this stage pretty pleased thinking, okay, if we, you know, we're again addressing problems that we've got and, you know, not half measure. You've not brought in one player to try and fix it. You know, you know, there's an issue and you brought in two. Great. So as far as I understand, also, like you say, for conditional conditional picks, it's, it's a nothing trade. You know, it's a, it's a low risk, you know, possibly good reward. So at this stage, still pretty happy. Absolutely. I, I you know, I know a little bit about uh, him, not not a ton. He is a player I've heard of, which which helped. Uh, and he'd, obviously, <laughs> he'd, he'd been drafted by the Cardinals. Uh, um, you know, he has been in the NFL a couple of years now. I think three years he's been in. He has started some games. Why I know a little bit about him was a few years ago. I was looking at offensive line players in that draft, and I like the fact he was quite a bit. He's versatile, so he can play both guard and center. So, you know, when you're looking at potential, I mean, I don't think he starts on your line. I think he is someone who is a next man up sort of player. But the fact that he can play both centre and guard, it gives you uh, just some flexibilities. It's almost like having an extra roster spot because you've got someone who can fill two and you can play them both uh, fairly adequately. So, Yeah, and that, that really fits Brian Flores' kind of thinking in, in regards to... I know this is the sort of thing that people would have heard before with coaches that have come out of New England, that they're trying to implement that system. And that sort of like versatility is probably one of the highest assets you can have. So this kind of fell into that sort of mould and you felt like Brian Flores was kind of getting the guys he wanted. Yeah, and, and you know, it, we've seen it all the time and he comes from that Belichick tree of these guys don't necessarily have to be absolute studs. They're just people that come in and they do the job to the best of their ability and um, he wants high character guys. He wants guys who are going to be account, uh, you know, accountable and they're going to take on board what's said and, and apply themselves in the best way possible. That's right, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather get 100% out of a good player than than 80% out of an elite player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that takes us on nicely to <laughs> what was an absolute uh, blockbuster trade, which was uh, the Dolphins uh, trading with the Texans. And, and this one is still one that is reverberating around uh, the NFL universe where um, the, the Dolphins received two, uh, two, two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and they also received um, Julian Davenport and then Johnson Badamosi, who I'm not as familiar with, but Davenport I'm somewhat familiar with. So, um, you know, a great haul of draft picks. Um, Julian Davenport um, and Jonathan Badosi for, for, for Lebby Tunsil and, uh, and Kenny Stills, who effectively was a throw-in in this because he it had a war with the owners and uh, they decided he, he should go. So... Yeah, I think the, the Kenny Stills one is, is a really interesting part of this trade and probably is something we'll hear more about in the coming weeks rather than right now. It's kind of swept under the, the sort of headline of Laramie Tunsil being traded. But that was... It, it. I'm a big Kenny Stills fan. I think he's a great guy. I was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times and he just... He speaks well. He can articulate his point well. Whether you agree with you know some of... The things that he says and does is is another matter, but I think the owner supported him up to the stage where 
it hurt the owner. And then I think that was the end of his time there. They were just looking for the, the easiest way to get him out. Yeah. And I, I personally, um, we were chatting about this in the week before uh, we were in the draft. You you took Kenny Stills and I was like, do you not have a fear of him being cut? Because I was pretty confident he was going to get cut and you thought he'd be traded and, and he was. Um, but what was funny about this was the timing of the trade because you'd actually already finalised your 53-man roster and, and Stills was on it. Yeah. Um, the the, the rumour was, and I believe I heard this on the three yards and the guys from three yards per carry, which is a Miami Dolphins podcast as well. They're a bit more plugged into the team where there was a trade in place where had he not been part of the Tunsil trade, he would have been going for a fourth round pick anyway to, to the Texans. So they, they wanted him. They liked him from, from the outset and that that was going to get done one way or the other. It just ended up being part of this deal instead. So it's amazing because this, this deal started with, uh, you know, with with trading for uh, Javion Clowney, you know, that was the Miami start of this. This came in, they put in a, a great offer for him. Um, it was clearly something that the Texans were interested in, um, considering what they got for Clowney in the end, which was a third round pick and uh, another throw in offensive lineman. Um, who I've never seen so many offensive linemen move in one weekend. There's probably about seven or eight offensive linemen that have moved teams, so trying to catch up where they all are. Um, <laughs> but you know, it seemed odds on that Clowney was going to end up in Miami. And then Clowney says, I don't want to go to Miami. I'm not having it. Um, he goes to the Seahawks. But it seems to be that the two teams kept talking and they've ended up with, you know, filling a significant need at left tackle with uh, Laomi Tunsil, which should help them protect Deshaun Watson in the up and coming uh, season. And when we speak to Anthony Wood, uh, we will get a bit more breakdown as to how that's kind of evolved. But from the Dolphins' side, you know, what what does this necessarily mean? Because you, you've got a highly talented offensive lineman, you've brought in three more. Um, I mean, what, what sort of the aftershocks and after effects of that for, for the team now? Well, I think, unfortunately, you probably copped the wrong end of my uh, my disdain for this trade right, right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologise for that. But they, I mean... As far as you're concerned, everyone is well aware that this is probably not going to be a great season for the Miami Dolphins. That's that's kind of a given at this stage. But you consider Laramie Tunstall one of those pieces you can build around. They had two more um, years of team control on, on his contract. He's still on his rookie deal. They would have had a, a fifth-year option. And then even the possibility to franchise tag him and, you know, really not pay massive money for the left tackle position and have one of the upper left tackles in the league. And my bias says, that, you know, I think he's very, very good. But I still think he, you know, he's easily one of the top five or six left tackles in the NFL. No, I, I agree with that. I think he's up there, definitely. Well, I think he definitely will be. I'm not sure he's there yet, but give it another year or two at the position. It is one of those positions that takes a bit of time to master. You don't come in uh, year one, year two and smash it at left tackle. It's, it's one the experience does pay, does pay dividend there. That's it. So, I mean... It... At the time, I was shocked and not very happy because it looks like a lack of a plan. It looks like, the Tex- by all accounts, the Texans kept coming back with offers until they got the man they wanted. Can't blame them for that. I can't really blame them for accepting it. But it kind of blows your season up two weeks before, the you know, 10 days before the start of the season. That's mind-boggling to me that, you know... It, it is and it's not. I, I, I see the point. I think, I think what people have missed from this trade and so many people have reported it very badly in the sense of 
you've got a guy who, who basically you've traded Tunsil, you've traded Stills to throw in, and you've given up picks. And it's a bit unfair on, on Julian Davenport because Julian Davenport's actually not a bad uh, left tackle. Don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a downgrade on what you have got. But this is a guy last season who played in his second year in the league. He played uh, 15, you know, he played 15 games last season. We started 15 games. He played all 16. Um, you know, he, he was selected to the Pro Bowl last year. He was a first-team All-Pro last year. We're not talking about someone here who's just... The fact that he wasn't covered with any form of... Um, it, like, it wasn't even mentioned in half the blogs that went out and half the, the, the news on this trade that you've got a guy who is basically a, just a, a throw-in. He's not. He's a, he's, a, he's a good tackle. Is he as good as Tunsil? No. But he, he's... He's decent and he's young. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, the, the, the first thing people will see that is he gave up 12 sacks last year and Tunsil gives up one and it just screams out, oh my God, what have we done? But if the New England Patriots trade for this guy, then all of a sudden everyone's going, it's a smart move. He could, he, you know, he could really turn out to be saying they've not given up anything to get him. So I think there's that sort of, all the guys in Miami are now are from New England and you have to treat it as the same thing. You know, he's not going on to a team like the Patriots, but that's the image they're trying to build in. And it's a, a team that doesn't pay their left tackle a lot of money. So, and, I mean, in that regard, Larry Tunzel would never be worth more than he was the day they traded him. I mean, they they got more more back than the Steelers did for Antonio Brown or the Giants did for Odell Beckham or even the Bears. Uh, sorry, the Bears did. No, the Raiders did for Khalil Mack. Yeah. I I said at the time what the price was for him was for Tunsil was quarterback price. That that is something I would expect an Aaron Rodgers to go for uh, to Sean Watson. It's not something I would expect from uh, a left tackle, which although it is a very important position, um, it's one that I, I and you know we'll get to the Houston side of it with with Anthony uh, later on in the week, but. I, you know, the the thing is, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the Texan side, but they just mortgage their future to try and win now. And Tunsil's a good piece to add, but that line is still pretty bad. And and yeah, Davenport gave up 12 sacks, but that line was awful last year. Like, you, you need five guys on the line to be productive. Tunsil gives up one sack, but the, the, the offensive line in Miami last year wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like show-stopping, but it, it was top 15 in the league and you know as you said Julian Davenport went to it went to the Pro Bowl like it's not a it's, and he was all pro it wasn't just Pro Bowl which is a popularity contest he, he was all pro as well so he had very 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 good season he's, he's younger than Tunsil he can develop into a very good player I think it's it's a really really smart business not just to acquire the picks but you've actually then filled the hole as well with someone who I don't think is a massive drop down I think he is a drop down but I don't think it's I don't think it's 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 to the point where you've picked up someone who's unserviceable or unseen. no. And again, by by all accounts, the the front office in Miami loved Laramie Tunsil. That's why they they held out for as long as they did. Apparently, you know, the Texans made multiple offers for him, but they actually believe that he will always be a good player and not an elite player. So you know, the return, you know, once you once I calm down and, and look at the trade, you say you, you got ridiculous ridiculous value for him and also the Texans at some point are going to have to pay this guy so you not only did you give up the picks that you would to acquire a quarterback you're then going to have to pay him like one 
because because he has yeah, the position absolutely. of power now. You gave up all this to get him. When he when him and his agent come to the table, oh, they'll yeah. say, "Well, this is what you think we're worth." <laughs> he, he he's getting sixteen to twenty million a year on his next deal, minimum. Like that is what he's going to be paid. He's going to be paid as a top three, top two tackle in the league. And you know, I'm not convinced that line is good enough. So I wouldn't expect his numbers to improve next year. And I think people will look at that deal in the year from now and say, "Oh, you've made a mistake there." I think what they've given up is a mistake, but I think they've gone to address a, a significant hole. But I wouldn't have mortgaged the future on it unless you're confident you're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think they're missing too many pieces um, for that. And then before we forget, because I feel bad, we haven't even mentioned Jonathan uh, Badamosi. So uh, my understanding, I reached out to a couple of people, was that he's a, uh, uh, he's going to be contributing on special teams right away. So he's someone that's actually going to contribute to the success or whatever we think this football team is going to be this season, he's going to be playing straight away, even if it is only on special teams, having a guy like that in the locker room and contributing and he makes that. Yeah. I mean, he seems like an absolute Brian Flores man. He does multiple things. You could play him out there on defense, but you know, uh, his core is a special teamer and a good guy. I mean, those are going to be the top things on the, on the list for players you see become dolphins in the next few years under this sort of Chris Greer, Brian Flores led team. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you think at this point, the 53 is done, you know who it's going to be. And then the Dolphins just a few hours later announced that they've made another trade with uh, the New Orleans Saints, where they have received uh, Vince Beagle for uh, Kiko Alonso in a rare player swap. (laughs) So this is another one that I think falls into the bucket of um, good business. I like Kiko Alonso. I think he has, he's one of these players who has great highs and terrible lows. When you see him getting beaten coverage, you want to pull your hair out. And when you see him, you know, he's the sort of player who jumps on loose balls. He's there. He's always around the ball. You know, so his highs are high. You know, he's had a couple of interception returns to touchdowns that have won games. He's a good player, but he was on a ridiculous contract given out by um, Mike Tannenbaum in the previous regime. He had publicly said he wanted out. He'd even cleared out his locker on the Friday before cuts. And um, I think this is just really a case of a salary dump and they managed to get something in return. I think they, you know, if not, he probably would have been a cut anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that contract was was pretty bad. I mean, the sense of he got um, on his last deal, which was in 2017, he got 16 million fully guaranteed at signing. (laughs) So he got it. 2017 and 2018 salary paid up front. Um, he then was paid uh, two and a half million already of his uh, full salary this year um, in March, um, which is a pretty standard move. Um, so he would have cost the organization another six million this year. Um, so you get that off the books and you've moved it. So the cap hit would have been real. Um, instead, you've moved that along. And not to mention, he would have been another six, seven million next year on that cap line. So it was a pretty horrific contract and to get absolutely anything for him is, is pretty good business, but especially to get one that um, you're getting a player in return who I, I don't know a lot about Beagle, but he's a linebacker. He's someone that again, who I guess Flores is, is, is kept an eye on and someone who he thinks can contribute straight away to the. Yeah. I believe the Patriots actually met with him a bunch of times when he was coming out two years ago from Wisconsin. So, you know, the, this is the sort of player that he's had his eye on. And again, you're getting someone in return that gives you a chance, gives you a chance to find out if he's any good. And if not, you've not lost anything yeah. really for trying because you wanted rid of Kiko Alonso anyway. 
That's right. Well, you've not had to cut him, and at the same time, you've you've got the salary off the books. Um, so, all in all, the the total sub of the weekend was thirteen, just over thirteen million saved in cap. Plus, you're not having to pay uh, Larry Tunsil a new deal, which you would have had to have done or, or lose him. You've then also picked up two. You've picked up two first round picks in 2020 and 2021, and then also a 2020 second round pick. And all you've given up in return is a player you didn't want on your team, which was Alonso. Miami Tunsil, who you probably weren't going to pay Kenny still, so you're probably going to cut or trade for a fourth-round pick, as you say. And a 2027th and then another conditional late pick in 2020, which now all said and done leaves Miami. I was doing this research earlier. So Miami has now got um, two picks in each of the first three rounds in each of the next two Correct. drafts. Which, which sounds good. Now, this is where my concern comes in and why I was slightly upset the other day is we have a history of not being able to use those those draft picks particularly well. And that's the concern. I mean, even a guy like Laramie Tunsil, for instance, fell in the draft to us. That wasn't a, it wasn't a great pick. They didn't like assess, assess a player, say, right, well, you see something here, take the guy and bring along his talent. This guy was almost the number one pick in the draft. And ended ended up in Miami because after the whole um, Instagram incidents hours before the draft, teams are staying away from him. But his agent was the agent for Mike Tanner, Bellman, Adam Gase, in charge of the Dolphins at the time, and, and 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 he assured them that everything was above board. So, it, you know, they've got a history of not being able to pick O linemen, and that's what scares me. They, it might take all of those picks they've got for them to find another Laramie Tunsil. I get that. I, I, I think I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and I'm going to use a recent example of history in the uh, Cleveland Browns. Now, everybody's talking about the Cleveland Browns as a, a playoff team this year. They're a real hype team. Um, they're coming off the back of uh, a 7-8-1 and one season. The season before, they were 0-16. The season before that, they were 1-15. And, and what people don't remember is they had a GM who was very forward-thinking that acquired a lot of draft picks. And, you know, the draft is a bit like a lottery. You could do all the scouting, you could do all the research, you've got the combine, um, you can have players in, you can interview them as much as you like, but ultimately there's no guaranteed success. You can have the number one pick in the draft who can absolutely flop. And how many first-round picks have we seen in recent times not live up to uh, the tag and and the responsibility of being a a first-round pick? And having two of them in a very stacked class next year. Um, Then you've got two seconds, two thirds. So you've got six picks before 100 next year, which I think is, at least that's where we think they're going to be. I mean, you you don't know, but I I think there's a good chance right now before 100. Yeah, that you're going to have six picks in the the first 100. So the chances of you getting three, four game-changing players in that draft is significant. And then on top of that, you're then going to get six <laughs> more players next year in 2021. So all of a sudden, you're going to do what the Browns did, which was stockpile picks, and then they start to use this to pick up players. And it started with, uh, you know, Miles Garrett. And then it started with, you know, they, they made all these trades. Like they, they traded for, block, uh, for Brock Eisweiler in a second-round pick because Broncos were desperate to get rid of that contract. So they ate it because they had the cap space. But effectively, they paid 16 million bucks for a second-round pick. But that second round pick then led to a flurry of trades, which then became. <laughs> I, I always forget this story now. 
uh, I forget where it ended up because then they passed on Watson and it's kind of all gone convoluted. I think it ended up being not was it Denzel Ward in the end? I think it was someone like that. But they ended up getting all these picks, which they then used to build the foundation of the franchise. And now you're looking at it two years later and people say, well, yeah, because they traded for OBJ and this OBJ was the final piece. You know, the players that they've acquired in the first round, Denzel Ward, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, Miles Garrett, and there's many, many more players in there that they've acquired that have made that team stronger with a good nucleus and a good foundation. It did mean they tanked a couple of seasons, but with what they've got now, you know, one player doesn't make a team. OBJ doesn't, he makes them better, but he doesn't make oh, for them sure. who they are. You know, there's 52 other guys on that roster. And a lot of that came from this. And I think the more tickets you buy to the lottery of the draft, the better you're going to be. And, you know, we'll talk about in a minute whether or not we think they're going to tank for, you know, number one and people saying tank for two, <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you must be feeling somewhat better that after all of the roster moves, the team isn't, I don't think the team is much worse than it was. And I think for what you've got back for the future, I mean, what's the general sentiment of, of fans of, of Miami? So at the moment, most of the fans are 100% that there is no, that this is an absolute tank of the highest order. That basically anyone that has done any good so far seems to have been cut, traded, or, you know, somehow moved off of this team. Um, even a young, promising um, defensive tackle. Um, Vincent Taylor was cut Sunday morning, I believe. He led. He was one of the um, better defensive ends on the team. Uh, sorry, defensive tackles on the team last year. He played in the preseason. I just cut him Sunday morning. So there's been some some moves that have just, for a lot of Dolphins fans, confirmed that the tank is on and they don't want to miss out. Did you not think with some of the acquisitions they've made and Josh Rosen and? Ryan Fitzpatrick and do you not think that they are I'm not going to say trying to make the playoffs because that's that's it's a bit dumb especially in the division they play in but do you not think they're they're they're, they're not trying to you know they're just trying to stick where they were last year because I, I I tend to get that impression I, I don't think this is a, a two win three win football team I think they're a, a six win seven win football team which is where they were 12 so- months ago this this probably upsets some other Dolphins fans but I completely agree with you I don't think this is a tank at all I mean, he's kept all the pieces on defense that he wanted. I mean, Brian Flores is a defensive-minded head coach. You know, he's, his background is, although he's done stuff on both sides of the border, really is in special teams and defense. He's kept all the players he wants. They're not much worse. The players they lost on offense, like you say, Kenny was was going to be moved anyway. And as much as I love Kenny, Kenny Stills, he's a second or third receiver. You know, he's not a number one. So that's not necessarily a big loss. So outside the Larry Tunsil, you know, like you said, they're not a lot worse than they were last year. And last year they were predicted to be the worst team in the NFL, won seven games. That's my point. Is I don't think there's a lot of people there that you could be sitting here expecting to... I can't see them be a two-win, three-win team. I mean, it would take some time. They'll, they'll do some changes. But the other reason I don't think they're in a full tank is they've got players they can get away from contract-wise. And, you know, whatever this season is yeah. this season, right? But you've got players who are going to take big contract hits next year. Um, exclude Jones and Howard. Jones and Howard are locked in. Their, their cap is significant. You're not going to cut them next year. But you've got, you've got Albert Wilson, whose <laughs> cap hit next year is close to 11 million. 
and he's not been cut. You could have cut him for a couple of million this year. And I mean, that's what I mean. I'm thinking if you're in a tank mode, you would be cutting these players who are going to be a huge cap hit next year. Instead, you're giving these guys the opportunity to play their way onto the roster for next year, which, you know, I, I think is crazy. You've got someone like Devontae Parker who you could have cut for and they actually, nothing. And he's still they actually re-signed. Made. Gave an extension to. Yeah, and I think... That's right. I think he can be cut next yes, year. Yes, he can. He that. can be. But yeah, they have given. Yeah, so I think they've given themselves. But you know, there are plenty of players on this on this roster that you know could, they've got some contracts next year you can get away from, and they haven't chosen to do that. Which says to me that I'm not 100 percent buying its attack. I don't get me wrong. I'm not thinking they're competing, and I'm not I'm predicting them to make the play. No, so. I would say this is this is a rebuild, a retool, but not a not yeah. a tank. And also, I don't think we live in a live in an age where the head coach has the freedom to do has the freedom to do it. He might have a five year contract, but there could be a lot of empty seats if they lose. Miami is Miami is a fickle place. You know, they, they'll go and watch the Heat play. They go to the beach because it's a nice place to be. You know, and, and the owner will not like yeah, it when he starts seeing empty seats. I mean, actually, funnily enough, we got an email today saying there's no fees on single ticket game, uh, tickets for single games today. You know they're already worried about people not turning up because I say it's, it's a, it can be a fickle fan base at times, and but I think that's true of all Florida teams. You know I've, I've sure. lived in Florida and and that is very much the case. If the if the in Florida there's so much going on and there's so many distractions because you've got great weather, you've got beaches, you've got other sports franchises, uh, Miami big college right. team. You know the the, the Hurricanes are going to have absolutely no problem building that stadium, and um, you know the same goes with with Tampa. You know Tampa sports teams that are very fickle because if the team's not doing well, the fans don't turn up. Um, you know, Miami is a huge, and they still have a very huge problem with that baseball team. <laughs> um, I've been, you know, I, I used to go and watch the Marlins and I used to pay for a season ticket. I used to pay about 200 bucks and that gets you 80 yeah. odd games. So that was what, $2.50 a game? Like it's stupid yeah. money, like it's silly. Um, I mean, they've always had problems when the teams don't perform. That team actually went to and won the World <laughs> Series that year, so it was an absolute steal. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely still. I mean, I didn't go. I didn't go to that many games because it, it was a four-hour drive. You don't have to for two dollars fifty a game. Go to, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean the, the 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 toll the toll booth yeah, that's right. the ticket for the game. But, so. but that's why I don't so, think this can be a can be a full tank because I don't think the owner can afford to sit there for three years. I mean, if you take the Browns model for instance, that would be being tanking this year, picking up a bunch of players in the draft next year. And then at the earliest being competitive the year after that. that that's a three-year process. Yeah. And I don't think they're in a, in a state to do to do that. I don't think coaches these days get that much lenience. You know, that there has to be some sort of improvement before then, because otherwise someone will call for his head. That's kind of the way it is. I, I completely agree. I think they've got big contracts off the roster to um, give themselves some cap room that they can roll over to have a big gun in free agency next year. You know, they've got 128 million in cap space next year due to what they've rolled over. That might change slightly depending on how much more. Yeah. I mean, they've they got the lowest cash spend this year on, on by about $36 million. You know, we are way below everybody else. Um, but the, the other thing is, I mean, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a late push for a Trent Williams, um, nearer the trade deadline if this if this doesn't get resolved they were apparently interested earlier in the season maybe the draft picks to try and make it happen absolutely that wouldn't shock me at all if he was willing to come along and and do that i think uh, that's not i mean i think he'll be anywhere but washington i yeah. don't think he wants to be there so 
I can see that being a target for for Miami. I can see them being active in the next month of the season. I think they will pick up some pieces that they can use this year to get bedded in with the new scheme and go for it. I, I think they're targeting 2021 as a deep run. I think they see the end of the Patriots. I think they think that they can get through this season, then we'll move on to next season and the season after. And I think people need to be educated that I don't think this is a tank now. The offense isn't as exciting as people think, but I think there's plenty of good pieces that could be worked with. I think the defense is yep, solid. Definitely. Um, I think the O-line is needs work, but I don't think it's the worst in the league. I think there's, there's worse, definitely. Um, I still don't think Houston's is as good, even with Tunsil. So I mean, it's always... I, 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 at the moment, I don't really want to pass judgment until I see them play this Sunday because I haven't seen a lot of players on this team. We haven't seen this O-line play together, so you can throw the preseason out the window. That's you know, let, let's see him play again in the competitive games, and then we'll assess it from there. Definitely. So let's bridge that quickly then. So and let's look at I, I think uh, fantasy football. Gone. And I was saying let's, let's let's bridge that then. So we've got the. Um, we're talking about week one. So let's look at the outlook of this team and the skill positions and see how we can unpick it for let's fantasy it. football. So we've got um, the quarterback, uh, Fitzpatrick has been named as the starter for week one. Um, but what about the other positions? What's going on at, at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end now with all these roster so, moves? I mean, the uh, running back, we're still going to be starting with Kenyon Drake. He's, he's been listed number one on the depth chart. He's been injured in the preseason, so you may see a split workload, but I still believe they want him to be the featured back. So so do we think that uh, Caelan Ballage is someone who's going to challenge Drake for touches long-term, or is this just to get Drake up and running? You might see it week one, week two, and then it might just move to be a... I think this back. is going to be one of the harder teams to to sort of assess this with because they're going to run that Patriots model. If they're playing a team they think Ballage is better to run against, you're going to see Ballage go in. I think they have no qualms in putting in who they think would be best on a matchup by matchup basis, which yeah. is really okay. not cleared up at all. But, <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? You know, this is you need to treat these guys the same way you treat a New England running back. To basically buy the one at the lowest price and stick with them, unless you That's see. Right. To be fair, I think they're both pretty reasonably priced. So Kenyon Drake was someone who was going in the fourth or fifth round early on in the summer. I think. He, is now available in like the eighth. Um, and, you know, I love Matt Breeder in that range, but I do think that there's value to him there. I, I, we've been taking him in a few league stops and I, because it's got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look because you think if he, I, I'd expect him, I think he's the more talented back. And if he's given the opportunity to, to have the majority of the touches, I think he, he'll be He's productive. shown flashes in the past of being a very good running back. The only concern is, is that he never got really given the the role on his own at Alabama and he's he didn't get it under the last regime so I don't know if there's something there there's rumor that it can be a bit of a personality problem so I don't know if that plays into it at all but I mean right now he's listed number one on the depth chart he, he's the most talented of the two backs from what we've seen yeah I, I think Adam Gaze is as competent at scheming running backs <laughs> so um I'm I'm not worried about what he did under I'm not worried about what he did under uh, Adam Gaze and as for as for running backs in in Alabama I mean they've always got two three stacked running backs Josh Jacobs uh, was a running back that went in the first round of this year's draft and he was in a timeshare at Alabama all the way through so I'm not worried about what he did in college I think he's shown enough production it's just 
um, he needs the touches and the volume. That's that's the concern. But I think if you're getting him in drafts, and I mean draft season's effectively over. I know some people are still drafting now, but I think if you're getting him in the seventh, eighth round, I think you should be pleased. I think he can potentially return on Definitely. that sort of number. So going back to the quarterback position, we know Fitz is going to be in charge. We all know what he's <laughs> capable of on his best day and what he's capable of on his worst. How long do you think, and, and do Miami fans think, uh, he is going to last as the starter? Or is this going to be like last season for Fitz, a week-to-week The general consensus is he might not survive till halftime, but that's just because of the O-line play. So if he's alive in the second half, I think we'll consider that a win. But no, in, in all seriousness, I, I, I think the general consensus is people see him starting until the bye week, which for us is week five. So, you know, it would seem like a good time to bring in Josh Rosen. Now, anyone that's seen Josh Rosen in the preseason, he played better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's it's not close. I mean, it was a head-scratching decision. But the the understanding is is that although Rosen looked better, he wasn't playing within the scheme and that although he was completing passes they weren't necessarily on time or to the you know where they should be going and that he hasn't quite got a good enough grasp of the system and that we all know how smart Ryan Fitzpatrick is he I think he's doing what he's being put in there to do he's executing it the way it's being called and I think that means more to this coaching staff than someone who is just going to get it done because eventually as I mean, you may have seen in the in the game we played against Stan, but he's going to throw that terrible pick, Josh Rosen, because he doesn't really understand why he's doing what he's doing. So I think another four weeks, he gets a chance to see Fitzpatrick actually prepare for games. I think this, this is all just part of the process of the assessment, the long term assessment of Josh Rosen. I'd go with that. I think I think week six is a reasonable outlook to see Rosen come in and get that job. Um, but I do think. You know, I, I think there's a chance that, that Miami can win two, if not three, if they're open. Yeah, I mean, and I think if that happens, I don't think you can drop Fitz. I think it's the same situation as last year. And then, and then that's when it becomes scary, and you need to have full faith in the head coach because if they say if he wins three or, three or four of those games, because they are winnable games, they're not all as bad as people want to make out that they are on paper. You have to leave him in there. I leave him in there until he plays consecutively bad bad games where he's not doing what he should do. That you know, but if he plays all season because he's playing well, then I have absolutely no problem with it. I've always thought that you know we all know the the cycle of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I'd love to have seen him play on a Patriots team in that system where it challenges him mentally. And I think. That's what they're trying to implement in Miami. And I think he's the perfect person for it. When they made the signing, I was over the moon. It just made perfect sense. I don't, you know, I don't think he's Tom Brady. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But I think he was more than capable of running this system where other quarterbacks are not. I agree. And, and people look at their schedule on paper and think they're at home to the Ravens. But, you know... That would be a defensive I, battle. Is, is something that, yeah, but I, I, if... I read something the other day that Miami haven't lost a, a home game in September for like 17 games, 16 yeah. games, something like that. It's quite a long streak. It's, it's right. significant. And it might not be that many. 
but it's it is I know it's somewhere higher than 13 and around 17 but I can't remember the exact number but they they don't lose home games and then their next game's the Patriots well Miami owned the Patriots in in, in Miami. Like at Foxborough, it's a completely complete opposite. But, but yeah, and we know how yeah. bad the I mean, Patriots play in Miami, and how you know regularly they play bad to start the season. I mean, they couldn't be getting them at a better time of the season at home. And yeah, and and then you go to Jerry Jerry's World after that, and that's a different kettle of fish. And and then you are home. To, I mean, three of your first four games are at home. It's not inconceivable that you win two or three of those games. And if Patrick does well in those games, I can see yeah. him keeping the job till yeah, definitely. he messes up. I mean, I'd, I'd love to, I mean, if they went two and two, I wouldn't be surprised and I'd be very, very happy. I mean, you've been to Miami yourself in September. It's a different place to play. You know, it's a hard place to go to. Even sitting in the stands at times, it can be difficult. You sit in the direct sunlight there. And have anyone seen the stadium now where they put on the canopy a couple of years ago? The away team sit in that sun all afternoon. It is hard work on the opposing team. I mean, hey, everyone should take advantage of their stadium when they can. But you know, that needs to be factored in when people look at look at those home games on the schedule. That's why you get a streak like that at home start of season. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. So we think Fitzpatrick's going to start the first four games. We think that Drake is going to hold the job. Where it's interesting for me is wide receiver. So um, Kenny Stills has gone off the roster. Um, I don't know about you. My outside take on this is that Albert Wilson is the one and wheels up on Albert Wilson. I was convinced this was going to happen six months ago. I feel like I'm vindicated a little bit by the moves of the roster. But but I mean, don't don't come here to stroke my ego. But but tell me what what the situation is right now with with the wide receivers and where we think these these targets are going to go. I... I mean, I, I find it hard to disagree with you, and it's not to stroke your ego, but I mean, anyone who got a chance to see Albert Wilson play last year, he was playing superb before the hip injury. You know, his yards after the catch was incredible. He actually basically single-handedly won the game against the, the Chicago Bears, even with Brock Osweiler playing quarterback. So, you know, I, you could definitely see that. The only thing that needs to bear a little bit of caution is he's still coming back from the hip injury that he sustained last year. He got a little bit of work in the preseason in the fourth game against the Saints, played a few snaps to start the game. But he's on the injury report again with the hip injury. I think it's going to be a slow case. I don't think he's going to get a full workload. So by the end of the season, he'll be the, he'll be the guy. But early in the season, th- th- those targets are going to be spread around a little bit more. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. He's not someone that I would think is going to be. Um, uh, uh, someone asked me this question on the podcast the other day, and, and I, maybe it's on Twitter. Um, as you know, it was Facebook. I got it right in the end. Um, it, it was someone that you know. Someone said, "Well, you're so high on him. Is he someone you start week to week?" And I said, "No, but his price, I don't need to. He's someone that I think it, the first couple of weeks of the season, I, I think he is going to be." He, you know, I think he could be effective, but yeah, we're, we're, he hasn't had a preseason, so I think that makes it interesting. But I do think the the big thing with him is when Josh Rosen comes in. I think under Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick will sling it anywhere, and I think he was someone that will spread the field and will get receivers involved and use Kaziki quite a bit. And we'll move on to Kaziki in a minute. But I think when Rosen takes the job, I think Albert Wilson's going to be yeah. the best friend. I think those two are going to be inseparable, and I think they're going to do really, really I well. Think, so it, it should be 
interesting. I, I, I've just read a report on Albert Wilson that he's going to be, he was limited in practice today. So 50-50, wherever he goes for the, uh, for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to, by all accounts, he was limited, but that's um, kind of a case of what they've been doing through the preseason with him. He's played days, days he hasn't trained at all. So, I mean, earlier in the week, they um, had said that he would definitely play. So I think you see him suit up, but he's not going to get the full workload. I completely agree. All the time, once it, uh, once Rosen gets in there, you're going to see a lot of Wilson and Grant, those sort of speedier receivers are catching the ball closer to the line of scrimmage. But I think under Fitzpatrick, where it gets interesting is someone like Devontae Parker with a big wingspan who's going to go up and get the ball over somebody and a Preston Williams who is undrafted and is probably ridiculous value in a lot of drafts, but has looked very, very good in the preseason. He was even, I mean, even someone like Xavier Howard, who is a good corner, said he thinks he has the ability to be one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. He didn't have to say it. He wasn't prompted to say it. He came out off his own back to say it, which, which I found, you know, a striking comment. I mean, he's looked good. He had a couple of he had a an iffy game I think against you guys in the preseason. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. pretty poor in that game, but a lot of people were. It was a very um, old fashioned game. <laughs> a lot of rain, put it. But he, but he was very good <laughs> during the week of joint practices. I think they they've got high hopes for him. But I think those guys that sort of will take the ball off of someone's head will go up and get it. Big wingspans, they're going to suit Fitzpatrick more than. Than Rosen. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I I do find it very hard to think about anyone else for fantasy relevance in that in that wide receiver field. I think Preston Williams is a a dynasty stash. I think he's someone I'd definitely be thinking about. I think, and I think you'll probably be able to pick him up for nothing on on waiver wise. Um, so he's someone I would consider um, stashing and putting on a taxi squad that's, or just keeping an eye on for the next. That's exactly what so. I did when I found out what a taxi um, squad was. <laughs> yeah, the perfect player to put on there. He's like the player that sort of suits it best. Um, I can't take Parker; he's just too long now. He's just not delivered the the fantasy numbers. I'm not saying he's not a good receiver, but completely... fantasy wise, he just doesn't he doesn't put the numbers up. And and Grant Grant's an interesting one. I keep an eye on for the season, but at this moment, I'm probably leaning towards yeah. not having him uh, and just sticking my the... my cap in. Wilson, even if I just stash him for a few weeks and wait for I mean, Rosen to the, come. The, where Grant Holt has some extra value is his return, his um, kickoff and punt return ability. Yeah, that's true. So in leagues where that is rewarded, or um, if you're looking to get the, the the handy touchdowns every now and again off them, then um, yeah, that might be something to consider. That's a that's a good point. And then I, I guess we've been going for for quite a while, about fifty <laughs> minutes now. But let's touch on tight end very quickly because I thought this would be like thirty. Yeah, minutes sorry, back, but it's been good to get. <laughs> sorry, it's, uh, any time to talk about dolphins is is good with me. Um, we have Iziki here. I think is going to be the starter, but is is it because there isn't any challenge there, or is it because he's he, the coaching staff like him, or is it the, the coaching staff said yesterday they, they believe he's. He, He's really trending upwards. And that's good to hear because he struggled last year. I mean, in, in the preseason and training camp, he looked good. He was making all the plays. He saw all the highlights. And when it came to the season, Adam Gase and his staff had him do had him blocking. And it's not something he can do. 
He wasn't good at it at Penn State. He wasn't good at it last year. He's forever sitting on his butt. You know, but it was baffling how they used him. Whereas I think this staff are going to get the best out of him and not ask him to do things he can't do. But what he can do is catch the ball. Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a Mike Kitsiki truther. I saw him at the combine. I saw him play um, in college. I thought he's someone who I think is a very, very solid um, player. Don't forget, he was in that same Penn State offense as Saquon Barkley. Uh, yep. They came out together. Um, I pulled out his measurables earlier, and I thought I'd keep them from his uh, from his combine because versus other tight ends, some of these stats are absolutely ridiculous. So we'll start with the 20-yard shuttle, 95th percentile against all other tight ends three cone drill 98th percentile broad jump 96th percentile uh 60 yard shuttle 96th percentile vertical jump 98th percentile 40 yard dash 92nd percentile uh wingspan 92nd percentile arm length 84th percentile hand size 79th percentile height 79th percentile um the only two that he didn't score particularly well bench press 66th percentile weight 21st percent <laughs> he's 245 pounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um well he was yeah 247 he came in there at the combine so um that would be why he came in quite on weight but um it, it's amazing to see those numbers and, and some of the things he he did in there like um you know 41 and a half inch uh, vertical jump is yeah, former volleyball player, uh, 129 inch board jump. Yeah, it's it's just nuts. Some of these stats, um, you know, his 40 yard dash was 454, which considering his size, that is quick. <laughs> um, you know, 22 on the bench press isn't isn't too shabby. So, um, I just think he's got all the makings of if you were to build a mold of a tight end. Um, maybe a little bit slimmer, but Mike Gizicki would be the multi build. Yeah, he catches the ball beautifully in the slot. I mean, last say last year it needs to be disregarded slightly because he was getting pushed off routes early where he was being asked to block, and it was just throwing the timing of everything off. And I think you'll see a different player this year. So, you know, he's going to be good value. Absolutely, he goes very late in drafts, undraftable in in twelve. 12 team, 16 round leagues. Um, but I think he's someone, the tight end position is a weird one because I do think it takes some time to get up and running at the tight end position. I think it does take two Definitely. three years to, to really learn and improve that position. Um, and, and then you've got the fantasy points of that as well. So, um, but I, I hear someone that I think is a sneaky ad, uh, either to keep online for waiver wires, uh, just to keep on a list somewhere because I think he's someone that can, I think under Fitzpatrick, I think he could go yeah. off pretty early in the season I think he can get some very very quick fantasy points so he's worth having on your roster and, and you can trust a Ryan Fitzpatrick to know how to use every guy on the field so, you know that yeah. it, it, 100% you might not get that from a Kyler Murray someone coming into the league where they're not reading the field completely you know but Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to give you everything yeah, I, I agree. I think he's he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, he's got all the physical attributes in the world. He's just got to start putting it together. And I, I really hope that Kaziki can put it together well enough to to become relevant. Because and I, I, this is why I quite like the Dolphins team this year. You've got Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's a fun quarterback. He's going to have really good weeks. He's going to have some crap weeks. You might go six and eight. You might go seven and nine. But what a seven and nine oh, is yeah. going to be with Fitzpatrick at the helm. You've got 
you know, Albert Wilson, who's one of my favourite wide receivers, just his yards after catch ability is, is just fantastic. And we, we've published an article, it's about to go up on the waiver wires, and I've talked about him on the waiver wire podcast, and uh, I've talked about him for about six months now, that I just think he's an outstanding talent who's going to deliver. Got Mike Gizicki, we just talked about, who I gush over. Kenyon Drake, I think, is a decent player. I think you've got some really, really fun plays. I like Jakeem Grant. I like Preston Williams. I think these are people saying this is a really bad offense. It's a young offense, with the exception of Fitzpatrick. Um, I really like Rosen. I think Rosen was my second graded quarterback uh, last season out of college. So I think you've got some really, really fun, interesting players. It's not going to be uh, it's not going to be like watching the Cardinals last year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. You might lose some shootouts. You might lose some games, but. I think it's a good time to be a Dolphin. I, I completely agree. I think they'll be in a lot of games. Even if they don't end up with a great record, Absolutely. you'll look back at a lot of those games, they'll be one-score games. I, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think, you, you know, 4-12 four, four and 12 isn't outside the realm's possibility, but out of those 4-12, and 12, I think you'll, you know, if you go 4-12, and 12, I think you lose 4 or 5 of those games by yeah, 8 points completely or Completely agree. And I think you're going to be in some shootouts. Um I made a joke. Um, people, well, people thought it was a joke. I was quite serious. I'd be quite happy to have the Dolphins on on TV every week. I think I'd tune in every week. I just think there's so many exciting pieces. It's it's not like going to watch uh, the Giants. And sorry, Giants fans, but there's nothing about that team that massively excites me other than Saquon Barkley. Now, I, um, are you just saying like, that because you're not the GM? <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. I'm still throwing shade on that. But it's just... The, the problem is it's the same thing we've always seen, right? You know what you're going to get with the Giants this year. Um, you know what you're going to get with quite a few teams this year that have struggled over the last few years. Um, I'm not interested in watching Tennessee. I'm not watching. I'm not really interested in watching. Um, I'm just trying to think of teams <laughs> now. I'm not really that bothered about the 49ers. Everyone seems to jump on them and think they're a fantastic team and they're going to go 10 and 6 every year. And they then don't. Every year they, <laughs> they win four games, five games. And uh, Bosa's not going to be on the field for half the season, it seems. He's going to be on on a game, off again, on again. I just don't know. I just, I'm not sold on Jimmy G. I, you know, I'm I, Washington, I don't really want to watch this season. And I quite like the Redskins, but that's a hard watch at times. So, so I think Miami, I think if you're a Miami fan, you should wear your colours, your, your blue and orange, uh, well, because I think it's going to be exciting. And you've got two fantastic drafts coming up to really capitalise and, and get some quality talent on board and, and maybe make a run to dethrone the Patriots when it's time to do so. That sounds great to me. I'll be wearing my colours with <laughs> <of> parade. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Well, you always do. To be fair, you always do uh, hammer your nail to the mast there and and, and wear it well. And uh, really pleased to have you for uh, insights on this because it's helped me, and I'm sure it's helped the listeners unpack the, you know, the, the the backfield and and the positions and the trades and the emotions of what's going on. And I'm glad you don't see it as a tank because I don't either. But I think it's going to be an exciting time. But why don't you tell everyone? I know. Everyone probably knows where you are, but if they want to learn more about the Dolphins or ask you some some questions, where they can get yeah, in touch I mean, with I'm, you, Lee. I'm at all thirty two Lee on Twitter. I must I'll probably change that handle soon, but you know that's where you can find me. I'm happy to talk Dolphins all the time or any football really. I mean, I just love watching football. I mean, twenty four twenty four hours from now, I'll be sitting in front of my TV waiting for the game to start. <laughs> all right, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. We're so close now. It's it's, it's really exciting and. Uh, 
you know, it's good to have you part of the team. So for those of you that, that listen, I know Lee does all the magnificent work with the images and the gifts and the website, and uh, he's really kicked um, kicked on five yard uh, even further than than where we were before with a really cool interactive website. Lee's uh, sort of the the king of that. So uh, a lot of people comment about the brackets recently, and they said it's all you. So, oh, it uh, took us a while to get it up there, been, but hopefully we've got all the information there, and the, the site continues to grow, which is exciting. I mean, we plenty of people yeah. are visiting you know so it's all it's all great stuff and i'm really pleased that you guys asked me to be part of the team no we couldn't ask for anyone better and it's uh good to have you here and uh get you on some more pods but i thought with what's happened this week it it makes perfect sense to bring you on board and and uh i guess what we should call it is uh filling up the the dolphin tank because <laughs> uh i think it's going to be uh exciting because i don't think you're tanking i think you're just getting ready for a, a long a long season ahead of some high points and some low points, but then I think you kick on yeah, in definitely. I think also just as a little in, it's not not necessarily a secret, but the owner is besotted with Tua Tungavala. So they now have the capital providing, you know, um, it's not a desperately quarterback cool needy team that's picking the number one. Say, for instance, the Cardinals are bad again or the 49ers or someone and you've got the ability to trade up, they've now got the capital to go do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's crazy, isn't it? I just, I mean, I can't even think about next year's draft <laughs> yet. I think uh, everyone's talking about Tua as like the, the bona fide number oh, one I pick. Uh, I think, I think let's give it a year. And and I've seen this situation so many times, and someone will come through even more. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins don't go quarterback next year, and depending on what happens, maybe use that capital to go and get Trevor Lawrence. I completely agree. I think actually next year is almost nailed on to see Josh Rosen as the starting quarterback. He get hit That way he gets a year so. and a whatever he gets this year. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. I think they're willing to do the so. assessment properly before, before putting him out the door. Definitely. Well, look, Rush Nation, uh, we've taken you on to about an hour now. So um, for you Dolphin fans, you're welcome. We know they've got a great presence here in the UK and uh, you guys uh, abroad. Uh, this gives you a bit of insight as to how much uh, us, us UK fans love the Dolphins. I think they're an exciting team. They're always one. I think we've adopted uh, certainly more so than the Jaguars, even though they're our quote-unquote adopted team. Um, but we do have uh, Anthony Wood coming on to talk Texans and we'll do a similar sort of style of what we've done today, depict the trades, try and understand the, the fantasy positions and, and unpack the whole situation a little bit more. Um, there'll be some more content going on the website where waiver wire article rankings and uh, I'm going to be doing a piece um, where I'm going to challenge myself to get a number one rank, uh, a top 12 ranked player from the waiver wire uh, through the season. So basically what I'm going to do is every week pick a different waiver wire stream from our waiver wire article. And I'm going to pick that person for that week. And they, the rules are they've got to be 30% owned or less. And then I'm going to do it for quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, um, running back, and then kick us some DSTs and see how many of those I can get into the top 12 over the season as a cumulative score to see if it's actually worth drafting players. <laughs> I'll just play off the waiver wire every week. We'll see. It's either going to be spectacular or it's going to be absolutely atrocious, but it's going to be fun doing. So uh, I'll get that up tomorrow as well, um, or Friday, but it'll be soon. But until uh, later on in the week, guys, keep rushing. And the kick is...
you can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.